And right now it's good, it's very good, but it's a little long. But the song is fun enough for people who wouldn't necessarily catch the lyrics the first time around. They could still enjoy it. AFI Backstage Stories All right, welcome back to another episode of Artsy Fartsy Immigrants. Today's episode is brought to you by Larry's Leathers. Get your balls in line. What? <laughs> Get your balls in line? Larry's Leather brings you the finest leather straps for all your testicular needs from whipping, slashing, pampering, wiping, and smearing your balls in line. My friend, how are you doing? I'm great. I'm so f- still huh? still hustling through Rona. Still hustling, <laughs> you know. <laughs> still hustling. Oh man, I'm in a good mood. I um, I we have uh, a brand new song coming out in three days, man. I guess. Well, by the time when when you guys hear this, it'll be tomorrow, May 29, Friday. Very excited. The new single. That's what I wanted to ask you about. Yeah. That's right. We just finished. Got any 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 special plans for a special day? First single of the album, man. Upcoming. You know up. what's funny is it's going to be a purely a hangover day for me, which sucks because I would love to party <laughs> that day. <laughs> um, but actually, so um, Ify's sister is still having uh, a small, distanced, you know, legal um, like uh, affiliation for marriage. So she's doing like. In German, they say Standesamt, but it's like the officiation. So they're just getting the rings and it's like the small gathering with just a few people with distanced and, you know, we may have to wear masks um, inside the room and stuff. But yeah, that all that stuff aside, that's going to be the wedding day. And uh, of course, but how many people are allowed there? I think like seven or instead of the invited 140 something. <laughs> sucks man very Shit. difficult very difficult because um you know the groom has i think two sisters um the bride has um uh yeah the groom has like his best men and then sisters and the the bride has you know like ify and uh her best friend as the maids of honor and then um i think what's still being debated but i'm not sure if they've found a solution for that yet maybe um, there was an issue for the fact that they had asked me to play some songs for the, for the ceremony. They picked, um, they picked three songs to, for me to play with an, with, uh, an acoustic guitar, like in the back. And they said, okay, you know, when we start everything, play this song in the middle, when we get the rings, play this song. And then at the very end, uh, play this song. And I had everything, I, st I, I do have everything prepared, um, But now we're not sure if maybe I have to wait and do it after in a different location or if I have or if maybe they found like a, a loophole with me standing like on this balcony or something. I'm not sure, but um, I think it's all going to work out fine. And so anyway, that's um, the day that this comes out. I'll be in the mountains for that. And then um, the next day, the 29th. Uh, you know, it's funny as I was, I was telling a few friends, um, 
I'm going to need like just a whole day on the sofa with my phone and computer because on release day, I mean, a lot, I mean, most uh, indie musicians have the same story, I guess, but on release day, you expect to be, you know, like exposing the song to the world on a big stage or, you know, hitting the road or doing some sort of interview or whatever. But really like, uh, an indie release day is just, uh, a lot of, a lot of social media, um, promotion and, you know, like constantly updating links and, uh, sending out the press stuff and checking the numbers and, um, sharing stuff. And, um, but that's a good topic, man. Yeah. Just comes to my mind because I, I, I feel like I do absolutely no, absolutely nothing about those things. Like what does it mean to plan a release and where's the perfect day to place it and what does it mean for you as an artist when your release comes out and you're sitting at home etc well when it comes to um songs the standard rule is a, a friday release i don't know if that's something to do with spotify's algorithm or if that's something to do with how um streaming services work or if it if that's with the the blogs or you know i don't know who or the record labels. I'm not sure who orchestrated that rule. I don't know who decided that that was the way that they, yeah, yeah. You think, fig... yeah, you, you looked that up. I'm not sure who, who designated that rule, but anyway, for a song, um, yeah, you always have a Friday, a Friday drop. So we're, that's why we're doing this song on Friday, the 29th. And this is also my first release working with a record label. This is a record label based in Hamburg. And we've been communicating a lot since, let's see, now it's, May. We've been talking a lot since I guess November or December about everything. And, um, you know, it's really different. It's really weird for me because I've, I mean, at this is my, um, if I'm counting a couple of really small and bad <laughs> albums, this is, uh, let's see, there was horse deer jump, 12 songs. That's my fourth full length album, but I've released a lot of EPs in between that. So maybe it's my somewhere like sixth or seventh, you know, like release since I started doing this. But of course you can ignore the first probably five of those. Um, and I did everything myself every time and I didn't know a lot of these rules. So a lot of stuff I just had to find out, um, the hard way, but it's really different working with a, a company that wants to handle everything for you. Because the funny thing is, I've, especially for this last record, 12 songs for 12 friends, you know, that this was uh, 2018 and I was there for every single step along the way. You know, I was the, of course I wrote the songs and I, I, I picked the musicians, I picked the studio. Um, you know, I had some help managing, you know, where, the, where the band would stay and how we would get there and, you know, whatever. But, um, you know, we, I was the one who, who orchestrated how that would work. And then of course, you know, choosing the arrangements and, you know, there every single day with the producer mixing everything. And then, you know, we chose the, the mastering engineer. And, um, once all that was done, then, you know, we had chosen, you know, or even during that time, I had already chosen the person to do the, the graphic design. Um, we went from scratch just talking about concepts, talking about feelings of the songs, went all the way through how the artwork should look and uh, the layout for the 
album cover, if we wanted a booklet, if we wanted lyrics inside, if we wanted, you know, because that album is very, very personal and we wanted to make the artwork reflect that because it's about real people. So we, we really dove deep into how that should look and how that should feel and how the colors should feel. And that was a very, very involved process. And that was really like really liberating and really um, exciting for me. And then all the way into the, into the music videos, I was the, um, you know, me and uh, uh, Sebastian Belenius, who's worked with me on a lot of my music videos. Um, you know, we were the co-create creative directors of it. We, um, you know, he shot everything and we co-wrote what would happen. And, you know, at the end he pitches things and I can say yes or no, but I really respect his opinion when he, you know, when he fights for something, I, I give it a, a solid chance and, um, it was, you know, for everything all the way through. And then you have releases and you have, you know, um, how do you, you know, how do you properly advertise yourself? You like, how do you get into magazines or blogs? How do you get reviews? How do you get critiques? How do you build up your press link? How do you get, you know, local press, newspaper, radio? How do you get like video live clips, uh, wit, you know, do you share it on Facebook? Do you share it on Instagram? Do you share it on Twitter? Do you share it on all of them? And when should you do it? It was a whole, it was like two and a half years of obsessing with this one project. And, um, now this is the first time where someone else is handling the brunt of that for me. But the funny thing is that they, they just ask me for the information that I would have put out myself. It just feels weird, you know, cause I haven't, I haven't seen their work yet, you know, because they, um, like when, when this comes out Friday, they'll basically be in charge of, you know, I mean, they, they, they've been very cool about asking my advice and asking who has been friendly to me in the past. Like, you know, this newspaper, Sudoche Zeitung, um, they've been very friendly to me. They've, they've written like two or three articles about, about my music and, um, this, yeah, it's, it's a very, very cool newspaper. It's really, um, that uh, everyone who's ever, I've ever been interviewed by, I've always very friendly and, um, you know, and then of course there's always, um, like radio stations, like the one that we record this podcast with and, you know, Ego FM and, and Bayerische Rundfunk and all these guys like have always been very friendly. So the label asks me who has, you know, helped promote things before who's done interviews or who's done video releases or whatever, like pulse. Um, but it, I'm, I'm curious, like, you know, Friday will be the first time I ever see someone else handle my, uh, PR. It's kind of weird. That's a, that's a perfect point for me to get in. Um, and to take a little step back, um, first of all, I just um, looked up where the where Friday comes from, the date for releases, um, and it seems like different music businesses always had their their dates. But until 2015, the issue was that maybe fictive. Now I don't know. European um, companies labels would bring out releases on Monday, America on Wednesday, and Asian. Uh, and Asian industries on, on, on Friday. And that's what frustrated um, listeners worldwide because people in other parts of the world would get to listen to music earlier than them. And so the, the it's called I, 
FPI, the um, Federation of the uh, International Music Industry, basically, I guess. Um, they said, okay, let's let's find a compromise. We'll re release um, new music on Friday um, at um, one one minute after after it hit the, the clock turns to Friday local time everywhere around the world. So just that everyone has the same chances um, to to listen to new music. But regarding you and working with the label, because what I expect from my perspective, as I know the music business and I don't know too much about it, or don't, <laughs> that makes two of us I, <laughs> really. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but you would expect, okay, when someone gets picked up by a, by a label, um, that they would sit down with the, with the artist, um, and then you get money from them. Maybe they have a producer to work with you. You record, you, you make a record, you write the songs, you go to the studio, have studio times. If you have a good budget, you might write the songs in the studio That's what I experienced when um, I recorded one EP with my with my former band because we didn't didn't have the budget because we have had no label obviously to um, write in the studio so we practiced the five songs for the EP <laughs> so hard until we could we could play them that we would just need as much time as it takes to record it and do not waste studio time. But if you have a label and budget, you might write songs in the studio, etc., etc. It gets produced. And then we get to the point where we are now. But the thing is, I don't know how, how comfortable you are with talking about this, but, um, wait, well, let, well, let me, let me just tag in there and then we, because I wanted to bring up a thought before I forgot. So like the, your perspective on it, It's the same perspective that I and probably millions of people had about how the music industry or how label associations work and how they've worked for a very long time. And that actually brings into a bigger topic, which is how the, how the whole entire industry has switched over in the last, I don't know, you know, 10 years into um, a, a completely digital market, more or less, except for merchandise that you can sell on the road. And, um, you know, or, or if you have like a multi-million dollar um, promotional team behind you or marketing team that can help buy you billboard slots and stuff. You can sell, you know, 500,000 units or whatever. But, um, the way that the industry works primarily now, um, of course there are still, uh, major labels and there are very lucky people who work very hard. And, um, you know, you have like in the major field from my, from my, at least in my opinion, or from what I've seen so far, you still have two kinds of artists in the major world between like, you know, those universal Sony, Warner brothers, whatever. Um, and from the major players, they can either one create an artist. Um, maybe they have a good cover song for someone with a good voice. Who's very pretty or they, or that person, um, has some writers with them and they say, okay, we want to, you know, make a bankable artist out of this person. They might get one record deal. Um, they might get, um, a small, but you know, acceptable percentage of the income from that, royalty agreement and um they'll push that artist for about a year maybe 18 months at most and that artist uh will fade and so you have like a big one hit wonder sort of situation and that happens a lot they'll make a bankable artist based on you know maybe they appeared on tv and they have a song or 
you know, their cousin's a millionaire or something, just very, a quick, quick pocket money sort of thing. And the other kind that the major labels will still do is if you have someone who's worked their way through the ropes and got very lucky and has an extremely large amount of talent. Um, and these are, this is the, the majority of people that everyone knows. So that, you know, then this pocket you have like the, um, the Adele's, the Ariana Grande's, the, um, help me out here. Major, um, yeah, just major, yeah, just major pop stars that everyone, Bruno Mars, like these guys, these guys who have like real talent, they work really hard. They got very lucky and they're on major, major labels with lots of money behind them and they're smart and they, they probably have like managers that they trust to help them get their shit together. So that's the two kind that I still know definitely exist in the major label world. But the problem is that since everything turned digital and so many people can make music from home and so many people have like broken through the SoundCloud realm and like still can make money on Bandcamp and stuff. The, the industry under that, the more independent record label industry is basically shattered and scattered kind of like sawdust on the floor below that. And, um, you know, you, you're more likely, you're more likely to get a deal. Um, like when we were fishing around for labels for this record, there was the, the, I think this is probably coming back to the point that you wanted to make. Um, you know, the majority of offers that you get now are, um, what I would call safe agreements. So like, or bipartisan agreements, which is kind of like you want the service of the label, but the label is too small to give you to, to invest that kind of money in a new artist. So if they don't know you and you're not really like making enough money on your own already, which in today's world, if you make enough money on your own, you don't fucking need any help. You don't need a label and you're probably better off not having one. But if you just can't get your feet off the ground and you need help with, um, mostly it's about exposure, about PR these days. Um, then, um, most likely the deal that you would get offered, um, at least from what I've seen is that the label will say, okay, we will take you under our wing, um, and you will release this album, you know, like let's take you on for, for, um, an 18th, an 18 month record deal PR campaign. And they would say, um, we like your music. We want to help you push it. We'll make um, a two single, one album plan with you. Um, but the difference being that we won't invest that money out of pocket, expecting that to come back through the royalties. But instead, we'll draft an agreement of what that cost would look like for us to offer that job for you. And you would have to supply the money up front. And then you get 100% of the royalties in return, along with keeping the master rights. And when those 18 months are over, you can leave and redistribute your own stuff. Like basically you're buying the PR service from a label and that is extremely common. That's, that's more, that's more likely what you're going to get. Um, if you are fishing for labels these days. And that is kind of what you did because the fact is yeah. you already recorded an album That was the thing. Had like, it completely you know, we, done yeah. and then yeah. went on to labels. <clears throat> yeah. So the, we, you know, this, this album was like, I'd say like 75 or 80% finished more or less. Like the, you know, the, the, the skeleton and the, the meat of it was really there and you could hear, you know, if, 
at least from my opinion, you could get a pretty good idea of where things were going to go. Um, and then I chose, you know, my favorite, maybe four tracks and I made a private SoundCloud link. And then I must have emailed over 500 labels at least. I really, I really, um, I almost can't believe it myself. How many, uh, I almost, there's a great song by Arcade Fire called Wasted Hours. But I, I think about like all those wasted hours. Um, but really, yeah, like I was, I was, sometimes I was doing like over a hundred, 120 a day. And I just had this, had this like really, I wrote this um, perfect like script. It was very short, very thought out, like a pristine, quick email that had just the, just the link because you can't like, if you send anything for people to have to download, go fuck yourself. They're not going to read it. They're not going to look at it. You might as well just throw your email in the trash can. But in your case, out of 500 labels, how many responded? Man, maybe, and this is including people that said no thanks that actually responded. Yeah. yeah. Pro probably somewhere between 20 and 30 or maybe 20, maybe Oof. around 20. You that's know, rough. like that's, that's, but that's how it is. You know, like I didn't, I don't have any representation. The, the, my, my numbers on, um, like my social media footprint is, uh, inconsistent. So it's like great on, uh, certain channels, but really flopping on other channels. Yeah. Um, YouTube is kind of somewhere in between and it's pretty obvious that I'm not like raking in money for a potential label. And, um, if someone did listen to it, um, maybe they, some of them really did like it. Some of them, some of them, you know what I appreciated the most and I didn't in the moment, but I do now is, um, I really appreciated when they would respond, even if they were saying like, absolutely not, we don't like it, you know, just to have closure on it. Because when you spend that much time, um, crafting how, what you want to say and, you know, changing the, the headliner of every email every single time to match their label and, um, you know, taking the time to, to find relatable indie bands that you could compare your music to, um, which is another factor you have to think about. If you say like, Oh, I sound like, you know, like I sound like the Beatles and Radiohead that enough, again, just throw it in the trash can. But do you have to compare your own music with, with other popular bands? Is it a thing for people to, to, categorize your your music early and and maybe think okay uh, that's a sound we could need on our label right now or they say right away okay this artist sounds like 50 artists we have already signed or heard of um we don't have a have a slot for them so is it a thing to so do you have to compare your your own music when you're you're forwarding I, your stuff i wouldn't say that you have to And I would say that's probably up to your personal taste in my experience. And in my opinion, I would, I would do it when you're pitching, because I think if they, let's say for example, you're, um, and this again, is just my opinion, but let's say you're fishing to a label that you don't know so well. And maybe the, the intern who sits in the back room with headphones on all day and like has to fish through these emails um, happens to come across your email and you say uh, that you, you don't say what you sound like. 
Um, they might check it out, um, but maybe not. And, but the same can be said for if you t- tell them that, Hey, I'm like, I'm really interested in like Mac DeMarco and, uh, Andy Schauf and Sufjan Stevens and Courtney Barnett. Maybe if you were to mention like four or five low key, not I me, mean, no, they're, they're getting, they're pretty famous, but like, you know, indie, still indie, not like mega icon bands like, Oh, we sound like the Rolling Stones or whatever. Um, but I think if you make it easier for them to have an idea of your sound just by a very short paragraph, um, it's easier for them to decide if they want to listen or not. It's almost like, I think for me, it's almost like a favorite for them because if you, if you tell them up front, look, I'm really interested in Mac DeMarco, they might be like, fuck that guy. I want to hear Megadeth. Then they, it just, it's just a faster service. And I don't know. I had a few people. But who do you compare res- yourself music to? Actually, I can probably pull up the email. Would be super Let's interesting. Um, yeah, I have it in my drafts here, I think. Hold on. Label easy, submission. Easy. Uh, yes. Um, Uh, let's see. I've been the new songs lean more heavily in the direction of artists like Husky, Mac DeMarco, uh, Big Thief, Andy Schauf, and Sufjan Stevens. Ooh, okay. So that was like the selection that I chose. Like I'm, you know, this, these are my inspirations and these are artists that I aspire to hopefully you know, in a, in a dream world, like play alongside in some way or play a support tour or something. Um, of course, Sufjan Stevens is like enormous, but that's the biggest that it gets. And he's not like known worldwide in some crazy way, like Radiohead. He's still, of course, very successful, but, uh, you know, until, until he wrote this, uh, music for call me by your name, he was still kind of under the radar a little bit, you know, I think with, um, this album, Carrie and Lowell, he like re imploded, uh, you know, onto the indie music scene. And he was like all over pitchfork and all over, um, a lot of very important, um, or like prominent musical magazines, but like, I don't know, n- late nineties or early two thousands through like 2014 or something. He was still kind of like the golden child of unrecognized talent in a way. Um, and that was something that I wanted just to like you are in. now. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I would say you don't have to do that. Okay. And, and, and also I'm not making a, a lot of money from music. So you don't also don't have to take my advice at all. <laughs> 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 I mean, I have, it's a funny thing too. Like I have my, um, I have my, like, str- I have like very strong, what's the word? I have very strong um, values when it comes to how I um, talk about music and how I choose to represent myself and how I choose to market myself. And it may not always be right, but I, I feel that it was the right choice, you know, in the moment when I do it. And, um, but I would say the most important thing strong values are not the most important thing is to, um, really stay open. And if you, if you, if someone gives you, if someone that you trust gives you good advice and, um, you aren't totally sure if it fits your vibe, um, then you, you owe that to, 
you owe that to them and you owe it to yourself to, to really listen and to really, there's a great, um, I believe it's a screenwriting term. And, um, I know, I know a couple of friends listening will be able to back that up or not. Um, but I believe it's called kill your darlings. And that means, that means, um, for those who don't know, that basically means let's imagine that you, um, wrote a 10 minute song and for you, it's your masterpiece from beginning to end. It's a perfect song. And some 10 minute songs are masterpieces for sure. But just, let's just say that that's like your whole thing. And somebody that you trust or someone that you admire or, or whatever, someone that you want to impress tells you that, Hey, you know, these middle chunks here maybe aren't as strong or you could rearrange this or you could take this out. Maybe it could end up being like a really, really amazing seven minute song. And right now it's good. It's very good, but it's a little long. Um, then if you make that decision to take out those three minutes, and this is just kind of a dumb example, but like if you remove things that you cherished to make the the whole project better and not be prideful and hold on to things that you think are just always better, like never questioning yourself, um, then you could be kind of shooting yourself in the foot. But if you kill those darlings, like killing your baby a little bit because you try to see a bigger picture, it may help you in the long run. I don't know. That's kind of a clustered way of expressing that, but I hope you get what I mean. I, I, I got it in any case. Um, but <clears throat> regarding this week and what happens on Friday. So you, you said a few minutes ago, um, you haven't seen any of the labels, um, work yet, but what, what is your deal kind of as far as you, want to talk about or are allowed to talk about it what do they what what did the the label do or is the label doing now since um you had the conversation okay this song is gonna be the first single right so okay so they when we signed the contract and that actually the the official signing of it wasn't even that long ago um but they in the contract they sent this potential um, timeline for everything that they readjusted because of Corona. We were actually supposed to have the first single out in March, the second one, I think already out. Yes. And then the album would have come out, um, in June or July. Uh, That's another, um, another rule of thumb is that every, everything should be four weeks apart uh, to give the, to give the press time to digest it and review it. Um, but Yeah. So they made the timeline and they're saying, okay, you know, Corona has basically killed any live performances this year. And if you, um, wanted to release it later in like August or September, when there's some better chances, perhaps that's what every major label is going to do. That's what people with the most money are going to do anyway. Yeah. They're the first so in as soon as something is possible. That's it. So you don't stand a chance there. Anyway, you'd be swallowed by the, by the, the, you know, whatever. And, um, they say, they said, let's put a song out now so that you can get on the radar, you know, and just meaning you can let, let the local newspapers and radio and whatever, uh, and the people, the, that you want to pay attention, you can let them know, Hey, there's a new album coming. Jordan? 
You don't hear me? Did we lose you? I just were, were, were stuck for a few seconds. Okay, but Frozen. did you... Did the audio freeze or just the video? Both. Okay. What was the last thing you heard? Uh, blah, 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 blah. Give the, 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 the local newspapers, etc. time to review it. Ah, uh, yeah. So this, yeah. They said, let's drop this song now just to let people know that there is something coming. Um, and then they want to wait until the fall. So maybe like, let's say the brunt of releases will probably come around August. So they're saying, let's release um, the next single, like another reminder around October, around October, November. And then finally in January, when probably all the restrictions are potentially lifted more or less, um, release the album, the full album in January of next year. So two singles before the album. Yeah. That's the standard. That's the standard pop formula is two singles. Okay. Because, because I see many, many artists, mostly hip hop artists, I gotta admit that released like four to five singles before releasing an album. And it can be some, it can be disappointing somehow because you've heard the biggest part of the album already before the album being released. But two singles is a, is a standard procedure. Okay. I didn't know, know that. Yeah. That's like the, yeah, that's like standards and, and practices. Yeah. Um, but what I, what, what I wonder about, and, um, I told, I hope this doesn't sound wrong. I don't want to, want to, um, finger point at anybody. <laughs> I'm just interested in it. Um, when you release your first single now and the second in this fall, yeah. um, and I, I, I totally see the point. Okay. You gotta give the, the listeners and the, and the media, et cetera, time to, to realize, okay, there's something from John Prince. We got the time to, to write about it, to listen it, to edit to our playlists, whatever. Um, but, How, or do, I don't know if you know it or if we got to ask someone from the label, but how do you keep a small artist, um, interesting or how do you, do you, do you tease people from this Friday until next January? Well, that's a really, yeah, that's, that's for me almost the, the unanswerable thing. I mean, um, you know, I had a really difficult time being told that this album would wait until January. And then when I first saw this new timeline, I was really disappointed by it. And in the end, it, you know, this is the first time I'm letting someone else take responsibility and whether I am totally comfortable with it or not, I've, I've agreed to it. So I just, I just have to see what happens and, and fall back on my instincts in the end. But, um, essentially, you know, something that my booking agent told me when we got this information, um, he told me something that I hadn't really considered before, but when I think about it, it does make sense. And he said, um, I think, I think also a lot of comedians feel this way too, but, um, that it's, it's okay sometimes to give your audience a chance to miss you. Yeah. Okay. And you know, the biggest thing about, you know, this, this last album came out, um, literally two years ago. It's, it was in like the last week of May, um, 2018 and I think it came out May. Yeah. May 18th or something. And, um, or whatever. And, uh, when I really, I really wanted to already have everything out for this summer, And, um, when we were told that things would be separated and spread out, spread out, when I thought about 
other artists that had taken longer gaps bef- than, than, than I would have. Um, I don't have a huge following, but actually for the small following that really likes what I do, they, I have gotten messages and I have gotten some, you know, not a lot, but a few notions of, of, Hey, you know, I, I'm so excited for the new song. Um, you know, I haven't, we haven't heard anything in a while and like building some sort of anticipation. And when I think about, um, like for example, Tame Impala, Tame Impala released this like mega fucking like, what's the, what's a good, like a perfect word for this? Like, I don't know, like this shining diamond of an album in 2015 called Currents that everyone knows. Everybody in the fucking world knows this album now. It's a masterpiece. And um, they didn't release anything else until earlier this year. I think it was February or January. Five years, man. Four, you know, four years and some change. But, uh, you know... I I remember really thinking about it over and over. Um, I think the first single came out maybe late, late summer or early fall last year. I think you dropped three singles or something before the album came out. And um, I had realized, man, you know, I haven't heard fresh Tame Impala in four years. Um, But it was, it was worth it. I mean, you know, I, I wouldn't say that in this moment, I necessarily love, um, this album as much as the last one, but there are some songs I love a lot. And I was really like scratching at the door for the next single. Like, when is it coming? When is it coming? When is it coming? When is it? And then like the moment it was out, I just jumped on it like a wolf onto a fresh steak or something, you know? Um, so maybe it's okay to give, you know, give them a chance to, to miss me and to make, make, you know, give myself a chance to make sure that everything is perfect before it comes out because there were some things with the last record that, you know, I probably could have waited a little longer to make, to make perfect. But, but one thing, um, regarding Tame Impala, um, I guess obviously it's not a story. Um, when they take time to release a new album, maybe two years or five years, whatever. Um, because they got a, a, a bigger reputation and a lot of money promoting them too. Yeah, a plus, but that's the point where I want to get to. They got a reputation for a for a certain sound. Um, and as far as I experience it, um, you are still. Um, I don't want to say searching for some, but you're you're still experimenting and 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 sorting things out and trying new things, which I've personally find absolutely amazing um about the, the the new songs i already know um but the thing is since your last album was a very personal thing 12 songs for 12 friends <laughs> so the name says it all it's a very personal jordan prince um album this one is not and right. when it comes to 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 not songwriting but where the point where you maybe wrote two to three th- songs and think the first time about, okay, this could lead to a record. I got, I got, a, I got, a, um, <clears throat> I got a collection of a few, of a few songs and some fragments and I want to build a record. From that point on, did you think about 
Because that's what's super interesting for me, because I also work in a business where it is about readers, viewers, listeners, and numbers. So your, your, your content get, gets to perform. And that's sometimes um, something that drives journalists too far because they're too addicted to, <laughs> to, um, to certain, certain um, incomings from sponsors, um, advertisements or whatever. But that's another point. But you also are as a musician. In your case, you're not totally, um, your, your life is not totally depending on, on, on music. That's what we know. And that's something that I think is cool and, and, and keeps you some, some form of freedom. But when you were producing this album or writing at it or whatever, when there was a point, okay, I know, or we know you and, and Tim who produced the, the whole album, we know this is going to be um, a long player record. Um, do you think about, um, regarding the music, okay, um, this might be something people like, or is it just, I got time with a good friend in the studio Let's hit it. Let's see what, what, what comes out. Man, that's a good question. Um, yeah, hmm. I would say I was fortunate enough for that to be a combination of both because I, I wanted, my biggest goal was to make is, or, you know, to make this album a very different, um, a very different being from, and a very different listening experience from, from the last record. Um, I, I almost feel like the last record was a bit of a test in a way to find out who really liked <laughs> my music because the songs, you know, they, they're really, um, individual adventures with completely, you know, they, you know, they, they, they definitely, connect on a tonal level in terms of how the acoustic blends, uh, not acoustic guitar, but the acoustic sound of the, of the instruments together, how they, how they connect and blend and flow and the order of the songs and everything. It's definitely one unit that, that is meant to be together in a certain way. And it's a, it's a sit down, close your eyes or, or, you know, lay down on a couch and read the lyrics um, sort of album. It's like, a, it's very immersive and it takes, if you're, you know, if someone loves this record, then it takes them time to understand the, the reality behind it and the truth behind it and the connection to maybe some of the subtleties in some lyrics and why others are more blunt and pure and, um, silly, for example. Um, and it's really a, like, I always called, I think we talked about, talked about this before, but I always considered um, 12 songs for 12 friends to be like a total purist singer songwriter album. And from my, you know, in my opinion, my, you know, whatever, like this is kind of my homage to my inspirations on the classical side of songwriting, like Jim Croce or Paul Simon and trying to, um, offer something in that direction that feels honest and justifies the stories I want to tell and gives respect to the friends that the songs are about. And I wanted, you know, it was kind of like, it almost excluded probably new fans in a way because it was so, 
individual and so unique in the way that it's, um, you know, I think for that album, of course, there were um, maybe three songs that I really wanted to be more successful than they ended up being. But I, I was able to kind of come over that and get out of my ego because it was more important to me that the people the songs were about could, could appreciate it and they could understand how much I love them. And I, for me, that was always more important. And um, for this record, what I wanted to do um, in the, in, from, the, from the conception of it was basically... I, I didn't know, you know, I had a lot of songs that were on the table for it and I, I cut some of them and then I had other ones that we ended up recording and I still cut them in the end too. And it's this, this record is definitely more about, um, building, building a bigger audience, building a newer audience and still, and still like coming off genuine and, um, honest to the fans that I already built. Does that make sense? You know, like I still want to be Jordan Prince and I st- you know, there are, I'd say there's definitely two songs and probably three or four, but definitely two songs that are, that could have even in a way been on 12 songs or 12 friends, but only in, in my opinion, only two could have really fit on that record because they are so, you know, they're sweet and they, or they're, or they're kind of, you know, one of them's kind of a ballad. One of them's kind of a sweet finger picky acoustic thing. And that was really the, the basis of that last record. And this one, you know, especially the first single that comes out uh, on Friday is um, definitely meant to catch the ear of new listeners. It's meant to, um, well, <laughs> I feel like I'm kind of, uh, really monologuing here, but I really wanted to make it clear that I'm not like, I'm not selling out my, um, my dedication to the song being honest and, uh, enjoyable for me in order to just make fans for the, for the sake of making fans. I, I tried harder to be as genuine as possible and appeal to, to new listeners. I think that's a very important difference I want to make clear. I'm, I, it's not as if I said, okay, I'm going to make just a pop album that can be played in the club and I don't care if it's, you know, if the lyrics mean something or not. I spent a lot of time making sure that this is something I can respect and, and be proud of and like I can release it and I can sleep good at night knowing that it's still very important to me, everything about it. But there are elements of the arrangements that I chose to do on purpose in the hopes that it will gather more attention on a more general in a more general audience, like at least a few of the songs, like especially this first single, the crooked rail. It's a very catchy song. It's definitely a pop song, but I genuinely love this song and I really enjoy listening to it and I'm very proud of it. Um, and it took work for me to get myself out of the trope and out of the the routine that that I get into when I'm in a studio. And this was really fun to experiment. We we played with so many different styles of instruments. The song was um, a completely different song. The first time that we laid it down, it was like uh, a minute uh, or, or a minute and a half long. It was very short. It was meant to be like, an, like a segue song. It was just one guitar and it just didn't feel right. I remember listening to it after we laid down that first version and it just didn't feel good. And, um, 
it needed something else. So we, you know, we added like this synthesizer where we added actually two different types of synthesis, synthesized uh, keys to it. And we, um, we added these, um, more driving, like sort of indie festival band vibes to the track. And now it really rocks. And at the same time, the lyrics are very personal to me and about, um, you know, masking oneself from their own depressive feelings because they don't want to be a bother to someone else. And that's something that I deal with a lot. And so I feel that the song is very real to me, but the song is fun enough for people who um, wouldn't necessarily catch the lyrics the first time around. They could still enjoy it. And I feel like 12 Songs for 12 Friends was a, a record where you could really only enjoy it more when you know what the lyrics are. And this is the reverse. This is like the lyrics are, are there, but you can enjoy it on a first listen without knowing exactly what's going on. Does that make sense? Yes. That's been a, a hot take. <laughs> but <laughs> you, get some as... pretty, you get some pretty honest, uh, honest digs out of me, man. You're a good journalist. I got to say. That that's my job. That was a good no, question. But um I want to say two things, one about your first album and one thing one about the 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 new record and um I so I wasn't part of the new record but I I got a feel for the for the for the process, but but you will be but you will be performing it. Yeah, me, and I and I got let me do it. And yeah. you showed me different versions and new songs, and I saw and obviously heard a progress to a sound in its um, entirety of the of the album that gets super mighty and powerful and real and brings so many emotions and I. There are some songs I don't want to want to want to want to spoil too much, but there are some songs I would never have dreamed of you writing and putting on a record. Um, <laughs> cool. And then there are other songs that I I would partly expect regarding the sound for you to 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 write, yeah, like song like a style you you would you would yeah. expect, but you know, but yeah. um, but still <clears throat> still matching my expectations, but and but still give give me something more a little a little a little hit more like in every song i i i've heard so far or version i've heard so far um there's also been like two to three details in, in every song that was like ooh, there's a little a little plot twist or a little break in the sound but in a, in a very cool way that 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 um it loosens it up and makes it super enjoyable and i guess it's definitely going to be an album that's worth to listen to as a whole album because so many songwriters, so many artists um, are writing music for playlists because that's how the a big part of the industry works, getting into into the playlists of people, but also getting in, into playlists curated by, I don't know, stations or by Spotify itself or whatever. But this one, I guess, will be a record you... It's worth to listen in its... <clears throat> Um, as as a as a whole album, and your first album was uh, besides the fact that we are friends. But I listened to it, and I liked it, and it was nice. But it didn't 
catch me the deep because I I guess I've been one of those listeners who felt a little bit um, excluded because I I didn't know know all of the people who you you, you talk about in the lyrics <clears throat> and of course yeah I didn't quite get it but it basically I, I realized after we played our festival in Brighton we've mentioned several times now um, <laughs> guys we went to Brighton don't forget <laughs> <laughs> no and I practiced for that. And I realized, ooh, at first I I thought it was a nice album when it released, but now in 2019, so last year I realized, okay, but it kept me entertained until this point, because in some form I was forced to to listen to it more and to listen on, on, on several details. That's um, it, yeah. And it's been a record where you, as a listener, you got to make the effort and listen to it um over and over again and and watch out for for little details that catch you and then it's an absolutely great record um and i think it's more obvious on the new record that there is a huge variety of many different forms of your creativity and um and talents i mean you're playing so many different instruments on this don't forget that <laughs> well and Thank you. And there's so many, many interesting parts about it. Um, so I'm really looking, looking forward to it. But um, as we don't have that long anymore because of my shitty schedule today, I want to know about the single being released tomorrow on Friday. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. What are you, your expectations about it, about the release? Oh, man. Um You know, I had a, I had a, oh, first off, I want to say thank you for all that really nice stuff. Um, and I would agree that, you know, the, that record was more about the slow burn and I, for this new record, I wanted to, to, to really push the element of listenability to the forefront. I wanted to like the, the listen, the listenability and the, and the, the ear worm part of it to be in the forefront as opposed to making something very, very, very um, layered that you need to spend time with. This is just, just a different style of album, but, um, for Friday, um, you know, I, I was, I was shooting some stuff here at my place last night, um, to, to some final touches to add to the music video that's going to drop with it on Friday. And, um, I, the guy who was helping us, uh, or helping me shoot it, um, he asked me a similar question. He was like, so, you know, do you think this single, um, you know, I think in, in like layman's terms, he was kind of saying like, do you think this, this single will like blow up or do you think this will do like better than your other stuff? And I told him, um, of course, part of me, um, part of me fights for that. Part of me really wants that part of me, Of course, it's, you know, the same as with every release I've ever had since I was like 16, which is just like this overwhelming, um, like knee shaking goosebump feely of, of like, I, I am, am releasing something that's, that's mine. And I, I, I want people to enjoy it so much. And I hope so badly that people can, that they share it and that they put it in their playlist and that they, it becomes one of their favorite songs and they can dance to it and they can close their eyes and enjoy it or they want to they want to 
you know, cover it or, or whatever, you know, like, of course I have this dream of like being one of those artists. Um, but at the same time, having released so many things by myself and having so many, uh, labels over the years, uh, say no, or try to make compromises or having, um, you know, when you do everything by yourself, you submit to, I mean, fuck man. It's like just from the last five years alone, I've submitted to thousands of magazines and blogs and critics and radio stations. And I mean, thousands, definitely thousands. And you know, you get a lot of no, you get a lot of this sucks. You get a lot of your voice is bad. You get a lot of this didn't catch me right. You get a lot of this wouldn't play well. You get a lot of this doesn't match what we're looking for. And anybody who is releasing independently is, is listening and just like slowly rolling their eyes and just going like, dude, absolutely. It happens so much. And what I've learned to do, um, and this of course not a perfect skill, but it, part of me has all this like young boy excitement. And the other part is like, look, you've had a lot of, um, I wouldn't say failures, but I've had a lot of things that did not go the way that I would hope that they would. And the best thing that I can do is to, um, work, work just as hard as I always try to do push as hard as I always try to do hope for the best, but not get my expectations too high. I don't, I don't know, um, what kind of, um, outreach or, um, you know, I know that this label has a lot, a lot of, um, I would say they've worked with really great bands. That's what drew me to them. They, they're respected, um, and they do good things. Um, but I, this will be my first time ever releasing with them. So this will be the first moment where I can think about, uh, you know, are they doing, um, are they doing more than I could do alone? That's something I'm going to find out. And I think after, you know, maybe by July, I'll be able to see if this label did more than I could do alone. And, you know, if they can, uh, then great, you know, um, then, then maybe we have something here and uh, maybe I get lucky and maybe the song, you know, gets on some really nice Spotify playlists and maybe it gets on, um, you know, maybe somebody wants to put it into a, a commercial or a TV show or something and I can actually make some money from it. Um, and maybe someone writes me saying that, you know, this is like their new favorite song. That's, you know, that always, that means everything to me. I have, I have my hopes, but my expectations have to stay flat because I can no longer let myself get so, um, I can't let my emotions get into it anymore because I've been so let down and I've been so depressed and I've really, man, I have just broken down. And I mean, this is not an exaggeration, broken down, crying several times and threatened that I would never write music again, that I should stop this stupid shit and stop wasting my time and dragging my friends and family through this, you know, pipe dream. And, um, I have, I have thought about, I have had that moment, uh, more times than I care to think about. And it's, um, something that, that changes you after enough times, because you, you see that the world is really tough and, um, all I can do is my best. I just have to keep doing my best. And when I know that I tried everything and I didn't let anything pass and something still doesn't work out the way that I want it to, then 
hey, that's all right. You tried your best. Some people were going to like this a lot and some people might not. And that's okay. I think the biggest thing is remembering now, I want it to, to, to do great. And if it doesn't, that's okay. There's more important things in the world. I've got a loving family. I've got a great friendship circle. I've got a small but very passionate fan base that will always listen to it and will always come to shows. And that's more than I had when I started. And that's all I can really ask for is just a group of people that really love it. And I'm going to always be appreciative for that. Um, I'll, I'll end this monologue with um, one short story. Um, I know you have to go, but um, you know, the most important thing that ever came out of this 12 songs for 12 friends record for me um, was last year. Uh, there was a couple in, I think they're in North Carolina and I don't know them. I've never met them. We don't have any similar friends. We don't have any family connections, nothing. They're complete strangers. And they found a song on 12 songs for 12 friends called most famous surprise. Um, it's a, it's the simplest song on the record. It's just me with a guitar. There's a piano and there's a cello and that's it. It's very pure. It's very sweet. And, um, they apparently heard it somewhere, somehow. I don't know if they found it on SoundCloud or Spotify or some playlist or something, but they found it and they, they loved it. And, um, they wrote me last year on Facebook, I think that they had it play as their wedding song as the bride walks down the aisle and they, as, as a commemorative, um, object to have from the wedding, um, they had a, like a wooden plaque. Um, I don't know how you would translate that for our, our German listeners, but like this wooden board kind of that you do in the States a lot, like this thing you hang on the wall or you put it, you know, somewhere. And in these really nice letters, they had um, a carpenter carve some of the lyrics onto the, onto the wooden board. And they had it like, you know, sanded and waxed and it was really pretty and really smooth. And like this, this fancy thing that you, you know, this family's probably going to hang that in their kitchen for the rest of their lives and their kids are going to see it. Um, and shit, man, like when they, I, I was at my day job at this school and they, I found that message and I, I could, I mean, I was just like tearing up. I was like, I can't believe someone found so much meaning in a song that I wrote that they made it part of first off their marriage, which is so special. And they, they made this, they carved my lyrics into wood and hung it up in their house, hopefully forever. And, um, man, you know, if I can get just one person from the new record to, to, to have a song mean that much to them, then, you know, I can do, I can make things work financially. I can, I can, just keep doing what I'm doing and find other outlets. But if, as long as what I make means something like that to someone else, then, then I've done my job. And honestly, that's what means the most to me. So that's what I hope for. That makes my, the other question I had in mind obsolete, but, um, to end this <laughs> before it's, that was a super sweet part. I nearly cried. Um, 
It, it was so sweet of them, man. It's, it's crazy. Um, but we've talked about before to maybe have a little surprise for our listeners on this episode. And before that, oh, yeah, I would right. ask you to give me one last answer on a, on a question in one sentence. What could one love about your single re being released tomorrow? Like, what do I, what do I hope that they like about it or what should they expect? You mean what, what makes people probably like the song or even love this song? I would say the, the fans who, who, who know my music already will like it for the way that the, that the catchiness of the song is kind of a trick because of what kind of lyrics it covers up. And for the new fans, I think it's hopefully something that will really grab their ear as a, like a genuine, refreshing, catchy song. All right. Then if you send me a snippet of your choice okay. of your new single, we might add it exactly here. And to all our few loving podcast listeners out there, you will be the first ones to listen to a, a snippet of Jordan's new release, the first since the first in two years, I guess. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Special, special privileges to those who listen to this show. So spread it around. <laughs> no, <laughs> So better enjoy it. Um, yeah. So thanks, Mo, for the time and uh, for the great questions. Really great questions today. Um, and thanks for letting me make this episode about me. <laughs> um, yeah. So there's a, a brand new single out on Pop Up Records tomorrow. Check out Jordan Prince, The Crooked Rail, out uh, tomorrow. It'll be available uh, absolutely everywhere. You can already go to my Instagram at Jordan Prince or my Facebook, Jordan Prince Tunes. And you can click the link in the bio and you can pre-save this song to your Apple Music or Deezer or Spotify playlist. And it will arrive automatically on Friday, uh, tomorrow on Friday. And for those who enjoyed today's episode or feel like they got some good information out of it, um, please go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to this show. Um, give us a like or review or a comment um, or share it around. Um, or even please just tell a friend about the show. It really helps uh, shows like us uh, get some new listeners. So thanks a lot. Very thanks a lot. Very much for listening. Yes. One last wish. Could you do your best radio host impersonation to announce the song snippet? <laughs> Now, ladies and gentlemen, introducing the brand new single from Jordan Prince, all the way from New Orleans to Munich. We welcome you to the Crooked Rain. Oh,
Artsy Fartsy Immigrants, ein Podcast von John Prince und Moritz Batscheider, produziert für M94.5.